to Cinema Vino. It's another two-man episode with Sean Jordan and I. Two-man ep. Yeah, exactly. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, man, I need to record that. That could be our, our thing. A little, little blurb? Our little bumper. Yeah. Um, so this will be the penultimate episode of our Summer of Chaos uh, with Battle Royale, which is Sean's pick. This is my pick. Yeah. This is one I've wanted to get on for a while. This has been on my list to, like, throw in here. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we covered it. It's perfect time to perfect format to do it too. You know where anything goes. It doesn't fit many other places. It's a weird kind of genre defying yeah. movie. Um, so and we're drinking Vouvray. Uh, so the random wheel that we you know spin the wheel picks. Strangely enough, pick two whites, two French whites, just uh, like this podcast. Exactly. We. <laughs> we. Oui. Oui. Um, so this is Sauvignon. So S A U V I O N Sauvignon Vouvray. Um, Vouvray is going to be the name of the region where this comes from. Um, I was going to say, is Sauvignon the winery? Uh, Sauvignon is going to be the winery. Um, kind of pretentious to take mm-hmm. all of Sauvignon. Exactly, I know. But it's not Sauvignon like Sauvignon it's, Blanc. It's, it's like Sauvignon. Yeah. So, like, but again, my French just can't do that justice. No, <laughs> nor can mine. Um, so Vouvray uh, is going to be Chenin Blanc grapes. And these are going to be on the, the right bank of the Loire River. Chenin Blanc, 100% one grape? Yeah, Blanc? that's okay. a varietal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be in kind of west central France. And a lot like Riesling, uh, these Vouvrays will cover a wide flavor palette. They can be dry. They can be sweet. They can be in between. This, to me, is kind of in between. L- definitely, I mean, compared to the Bordeaux that we drank earlier that's dry, this is way, the sweetness is way more pronounced on this one. I think overall I would classify this as probably off dry. If one is bone dry and 10 is super sticky sweet, I would put this at about a 5.5. Is it right in the middle? Mm-hmm, right down the middle. Um, but yeah, most of the... What you got going on here? If you go to your wine store now and you see a lot of Vouvray's, a lot of them are going to be bubbly. They're going to be sparkling. They're going to have the, the champagne method. Um, you'll see there'll be some still... Some still wines. Oh. But you'll see a lot more sparkling Vouvray's out there, like Champelou. That is definitely less dry than the last one we Yes. It, you'll get more sugar on that. It's and also got, feels like more, um, it's like a almost a minerality of like the, it's it's not bubbly. It's almost just like a soft water, mm-hmm. you know? Well, this also has kind of a um, floral. Like an effervescence. Yeah. Yeah. It has, yeah. It has a real floral kick to it. And you look at the, it has more of a hay color. Like the Bordeaux that we had was a lot more light pale. This one has a little more haze and a little more of a kind of bright hay color, a little more yellow to it. Yeah. So, but it has a little more body. It has a little more of a creamy flavor to it, a little more creamy texture. Mm-hmm. But, I mean. But not buttery. No, it's, it's not, not buttery. Not shard no. buttery. No. Um, but it also has kind of a honeysuckle texture, I think, to it. There's some honeysuckle. You are breaking out the big. I'm, I'm going big. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, sweeter. So, uh, but not sticky sweet. There's definitely sweeter stuff out there. Oh uh, yeah, it's not like a uh, moscato. It it sticks out more because of the Bordeaux. It's kind of like if you're in a really cold pool and you get into a. Even a lukewarm hot tub, it's going to feel really hot because you've been in the cold pool. I was in the pool. <laughs> but drinking that that fairly dry Bordeaux makes this one feel that much sweeter. It does, but it's it's pleasant. Mm-hmm. I like it's it a nice. lot. Yeah, it's a good companion with that. It's no. two different tastes completely. 
Um, so we talked on the last episode about the white Bordeaux being paired well with fish. Yeah. I mean, same thing here? Or I think this is another one of those that I would do with Thanksgiving stuff. I would do. I was going to say turkey would be really good with this. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great pair. Um, but pretty much all that stuff, cranberry, I mean, all pretty much anything, I think it'd go well with ham. Yeah. Any of that kind of stuff, I mean, because of the you know, honey flavor that you'd get from it. Um, but I think it would go well with, you know, salad. It'd go well with the, the entire holiday meal that you would do. A little and cranberry sauce? Yeah. I think that'd be a perfect pair. So creaming casserole? We're, we're about two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it'd go well with dressing, yeah, stuffing, potatoes. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, mashed I think there's a, there's a difference between dressing and stuffing. There is. Yeah. Uh, that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're a couple months out from Thanksgiving. But if you're looking ahead, Vouvray would be a good choice. If you're looking for something to do kind of before the meal, a sparkling Vouvray would be a good way. Or even after the meal when you're settling down to watch the game or whatever, a bubbly Vouvray would be a good pick. What I like about this is it's not super bubbly. It's not bubbly at all. No. It, no. It's going to be still. It has that lightness of like almost an effervescence, but not an effervescence. Yeah. It, it's kind of it's refreshing. You know, but it's unlike the Bordeaux, which was refreshing in a kind of a dry, crisp way. This one has a little more bright, fun, like fruit. This is kind of more. The other one's more tart. Like you feel like that, like unripened peach. Yeah. You know, this one's more like ripe, sweet, yeah, grassy, kind of yeah. like a ripened fruit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, two completely different personalities between the Bordeaux and the Vouvray. And I'm kind of glad we got contrasting French whites. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you'll see a lot of sparklings out there. Um, so when you see these, they're on a scale. Brute's going to be the driest. Demisec going to be uh, sweeter. And then you'll see everything up to like um, Molio, which is very sweet, the sweetest of all the Vouvray's. So if you're looking, and that's going to be your scale. Uh, basically, it's like the higher the, the the higher the scale, the more sugary sweetness is going to be on them. But so they do brute. Vouvray's? Yeah, they they do they because they're made in the champagne method. They'll have a lot of the same scale when huh. they when they do bubbly. Okay. So, but yeah, if in a in a bubbly section at a good wine store now, you should see a few Vouvray's, sparkling Vouvray's. They'll be cheaper than champagne, so they're actually a good pick if you're looking for something on a budget. Well, you know, champagne's only from the Champagne region of France. Exactly. And so yeah, these will be made in the same style, but not the same region. So. No. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this one, the the Savion runs around twenty bucks. I think it's like twenty two. Pretty good buy. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be a good holiday wine if you were looking for something that it's good, it's well made, but it's not crazy expensive. Impress it's, your wine friends with this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it should. And you can impress them because it's a good wine. You can say I didn't spend a whole lot of money on it. You know, it's like it's one of those deals where it really helps to know what you're looking for. Oh, this is a real, you know, uh, it's, it's a real hole in the wall kind of wine. It's <laughs> boutique. It's, it's uh, you know, it's you might not be a wine you've really heard of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the kind of the hipster thing where it's like you impress people like you found something that they didn't know about. Yeah, it's underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, Battle Royale. Uh, this is a Japanese film released December 16th in 2000. So um, it was restricted, not released in the United States until 2010. Many countries did not release it due to its violent uh, subject matter. Um, this is probably, in my opinion, the most culturally touchy film that we've examined. Probably the most controversial film that we've examined for this podcast. Really? Um, because it was not released in quite a few countries because it was so violent, so graphic. Which... After watching it, do you feel like that's more of just a sign of the times? Like it was like 
this movie now would not be considered super violent? Yes, which is one of my, which altered my perception of it. Had not having seen it before, having seen it now, mm-hmm. changed my opinion of it. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so this received a direct-to-video release in 2010. It, it's received so strong reviews, 88% Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Quentin Tarantino uh, declared it to be his favorite film released since 2000. Uh, it set the template for the Hunger Games, which came later. A lot of people commented when they saw Hunger it. Hunger Games came out in like what? 20, I think it came out around 2010. Yeah, somewhere in that range. A lot of people said that it was it had a lot of similarities to the Battle Royale. Yes. Um, I don't know when the books, the, the Hunger Games books came out. At, definitely after the book that this was based on uh, came out. Okay. Because I think the book that this was based on came out in 98. I don't want to. I don't want to definitively say that the Hunger Games was based off of this, but definitely inspired by based off this, right? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely inspired. By Conceptually. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just different enough that they can't get sued, but probably owe a fruit basket to the people who made this. Yeah. Um, so this is set in an ugly dystopian near future. Uh, Japan has fallen into economic and cultural ruin and who do they blame? But the kids. No, it's the kids fault. Mm -hmm. Usually is. The kids have fallen into delinquency and the government responds by holding a contest that inspires the title group of, I would say 40 to 50 kids, give or take. I think 44. 44 kids. They're rounded up and taken to a remote island. They're fitted with explosive collars and forced into a three-day, it's three days, right? Mm-hmm. Three-day death match. Uh, over the course of the contest, they must kill each other, and one winner must emerge. If they don't comply by the deadline, everybody will be killed. Yep. Everyone's uh, given their own weapon, mm-hmm. their own specific weapon. Mm-hmm. As they leave, they're given a weapon. Some people are better than others. Yeah. Some are, you know, a gun. Others are a paper fan. Or a pot lid. Yeah. <laughs> I would get the pot lid. That'd be my love. Binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the end of Three Amigos. We're talking about what skills they have taking the battle. It's like sewing. We can sew. <laughs> um, yeah. Savage melee ensues with kids getting picked off, sometimes in big groups, sometimes all by the lonesome. Um, we get to know a few of these kids through uh, small vignettes and flashbacks, and the film throws in a few surprises as it goes along. So that's what I got for a synopsis. Um, so, uh, what we'll go, I'll touch on you briefly and then we'll come to me cause I've never seen it. So I'm curious why you picked this. Um, I think if anything for the, the cultural significance of it. So this was, came out in 2000, mm-hmm. not huge distribution. Mm-hmm. I probably saw it around 2010 ish. Okay. So I, I don't think I saw it whenever it got like distributed distributed then i think i saw it just because it was like something that was on streaming and yeah um it, it was like being talked about so yeah um it's a good movie it this definitely feels like a movie that you watch and you're like oh well i've seen the original hunger games <laughs> well and now uh, squid games mm-hmm. is, is that what it's called squid yeah. games mm-hmm. yeah basically kind of the same thing mm-hmm. right is it's kind of like you're rounding up a bunch of innocent people and mm-hmm. forcing them to fight to the death and before all of this the running man with schwarzenegger yeah 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 i mean tale as old as time mm-hmm. right Song as old as rhyme yeah <laughs> but uh, this movie has it a lot of really good um there's like a lot of good story behind it. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's a, it, like you said, it kind of falls between the cracks of genres. Mm-hmm. It's not quite action. It's not quite drama. It also has a little bit of comedy to it. You know, yeah. there's, there's definitely some elements of like 
ridiculousness. Social satire. Yeah. Of high school. Yeah. And, you know, oh, why'd you never talk to me kind of a thing. A a lot of talks about crushes Mm -hmm. and just like flirting and like weird clickiness. And yeah, I I don't know. There's just something about this movie that just feels charming. And there's even a Monty Python riff about the guy who wakes up in a tower full of girls, you know, (laughs) you know, he's locked into a tower full of, Mm -hmm. of squealing girls. So yep, no, no, I never thought about that parallel. Yeah, That's good. Like, now we begin the oral sex. <laughs> yes, yes, you must punish us <laughs> with oral sex. That's immediately what I thought of when I saw that scene. <laughs> but I mean, of course, if you're going to get like a group of forty-four high school kids like on an island and just tell them to go for three days, yeah, that's what's going to happen. You know, even if it's a death match. Mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, the main characters, I don't, I don't find the main character storylines to be very compelling. No. Um, there's, it's really kind of the secondary characters, the ancillary characters that come in that are the most compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about how this was Quentin Tarantino, one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. He got one of the actresses from this movie into mm-hmm. Kill Bill. Yeah. To play the kind of the... The schoolgirl assassin. Yeah, Lucy Liu's kind of henchman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- number one henchman. Mm-hmm. And recognized her right away. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same. I mean, She's got a very iconic look. Mm-hmm. Different character a little bit than this. I mean, similar, yeah, I kind of expected her to be like kind of a crazy girl, more in control. Yeah, but she was very much like the one of the most disciplined ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, what would you give this? What score would you give it? I give it an eight. I feel like it kind of loses structure. It kind of um, gets kind of soft in the middle. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like storytelling, but overall, like the what it's trying to do and the story it's trying to t- tell, and um, obviously there's a context of like what Japanese culture was like in 2000 that kind of gets lost a little bit. Yeah, you know the social satire is kind of lost on it a bit, and it does kind of reduce down to a bit of just like a action movie, mm-hmm. um, visceral. Yeah, yeah. I I think that some of that's lost on us, but I think this movie is just it's it's good, it's fun, it kind of. Does a lot of things for the time that no one else was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a good movie that needs to be watched. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely something that should be, I think, watched and discussed. Um, so here's my opinion. See what you think about this. It, yeah. It a little me. bit different. Hit me. Um, so recently, and this will be a little bit tangent, but recently, um, for some reason, uh, Kindergarten Cop popped up on YouTube of like movies, you know. And so clips from that movie came out. It could be because my wife and I are expecting twins. We're talking about kids. We're talking about daycares. We're talking about... You think the algorithm is listening? Oh, yeah. yeah. Our son's going to preschool next August. So that kind of stuff, I'm sure it's like, oh, you should watch Kindergarten Cop. Who is your daddy? And, yeah, what, and what does, does he, he do? do? <laughs> Come on. But we... So I remember watching as a kid thinking that the finale of that movie was dark. I don't know if you've seen Kindergarten Cop, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know... It, it it has a very violent... At that point, it was a cartoonishly dark finale where, for those who haven't seen it, I'll give it... I mean, there's going to be some spoilers, so if you... I, I don't want to spoil Kindergarten don't Cop. Don't spoil Kindergarten Cop. But again, my rules, if it came out that long ago, you should fair game. It by now. So, basically, you know, Schwarzenegger's like this super cop, you know, badass, and he goes undercover at a school, kindergarten teacher, and because this mob kingpin crime boss guy or whatever has a son at this school. And so, of course, they think he's going to come looking for his son. So basically, Schwarzenegger's undercover waiting for him. Final act of the movie, of course, the bad guy shows up. 
and you know he's the in the movie it's like he comes in he sets the school the library on fire with you know he lights the books on fire like you do hallways pouring with smoke he's going room to room with like an Uzi and it's like at that time it's like this is big and outlandish and crazy looking such a ridiculous concept yeah and now it's like 2023 it's like somebody going room to room in a school with an Uzi this is on the news like monthly yeah this hits this hits very differently than it did then it's like yeah. the, in 1990 this was a crazy you know outlandish thing to watch now it's uncomfortable to watch it's like yeah it drains the entertainment value from it and i think you and i were far enough apart in high school that sort of our experiences with when columbine kind of hit were very different yeah right because columbine hit after you were out of high school like the next year yeah yeah it, it hit about six or seven years or mm, four or five years before i was in high school yeah so, I mean, different angles, very different like experiences mm-hmm. and just the way that America has kind of changed mm-hmm. since then yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, there were no metal detectors at my school. I'm, I'm going to a mass shooter or like a, a active shooter training mm-hmm. at work yeah. later this week. Yeah. Like it's a thing that you just are prepared for. Yeah. That's kind of where that began. And yeah. ironically, it's what those two kids wanted. Well, and it's exactly what this movie was kind of not lampooning, but predicting. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like watching it now for the first time. It hits know, different. Yeah. It, it, it made me uncomfortable in a way, like mm-hmm. seeing these kids killing each other. I mean, I knowing that there's satire behind it knowing that there's some of the stuff is intended for comedy and, you know, and it's meant to be satirical of things. It's like it's still, it just, it, it made me a little, it was bloody enough that it was like, this is uncomfortable to watch a little bit. Especially like the idea of the adults who were either eating snacks and watching while it happens and, yeah. you know, not actively doing anything to stop anything or like this is their solution of going straight for violence or whatever. It's like it just made it a little bit, I don't know, discomforting. Well, and it's interesting to see how the narrative has sort of progressed from when this movie came out to when Hunger Games came out to when Squid Games came out. Yeah. Because it went from, okay, this is a thing that, like, the government has done to sort of, like, quell the population as, like, a threat to the Hunger Games. This is something the government does as, like, a spectacle to, like, quell the population a bit or, like, coal, you know, the, the population. Yeah. And then Squid Games is, okay, this is a spectacle that's put on by, like, billionaires to just, like, feed themselves in a weird, like, billionaire orgy. Satiate themselves. Yeah. Satiate themselves in a way that, like, oh, it's the ultimate hunt. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's something uglier. It, so it's it's interesting to see how the same concept has been sort of adopted over time. Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah, it's like now watching it from 2023, it just, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it would have hit me differently then than it does now. You know, but it also has a little bit of like that Lord of the Flies element. It does. Right. Of like that book that you had to read as a kid of like, Mm -hmm. what is human nature when you're, when rules are taken away? Mm -hmm. There's some of that. There's the most dangerous game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blender of different movies. Um, but yeah, there's, there, to me, there's some Reservoir Dogs. Ironically, it's like, I get some Tarantino kind of Reservoir Dogs vibes to it, you know, kind of that same deal where. In Reservoir Dogs, it's a group of criminals, like, when their code gets taken away from them. When you get cornered, how do you act? Yeah. It's like when there's nothing left, you know. Um, To me, it's like the the line in winter we watched, you know, where it's like the siblings are down in the dungeon. They're about to get killed. And then one of the siblings says, it doesn't matter the way you fall down at the end. And the other guy says, when it's all you have left, the fall is all that matters. And it's like it says something when it's like death is all you have left, how Mm -hmm. people act. 
So in that sense, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed watching it, but also there was that element to it that, I don't know, it... It's uncomfortable. It darkened it for me. But that's kind of that's kind of the point, right? It is. It's the point of satire. It is. It's like the movie Network. You know, when, when we covered that, when the movie Network came out, it was over-the-top cartoonish. Yeah. You know, the idea that people would, you know, basically like a people would air murder and death on on screen for entertainment value, you know. In the that's just ridiculous. In the 70s, that was crazy. Now it's, you know. Well, and we're recording this, what? Two days after 9-11? Yeah. The anniversary? Exactly. I mean, I mean, that was a turning point in the country uh-huh. of, yeah, absolutely seeing people die on TV, on yeah. the news, in high school. Or, you know, and having a president take, like, enact his presidency on Twitter in the form of 20,000 tweets. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it, that was a spectacle. Mm-hmm. That was a circus. So, you know, that's, to me, network pointed to all of that, that people are drawn to the circus. You know, they're drawn to the carnival atmosphere. Yeah. So we, we realized that in the last five or ten years. So when we went back and watched Network, there was that element of that of like this is now uncomfortable that we're we're heading towards that, you know. Well, I thought the movie Don't Look Up came out in what, 2021? Yeah. That was such just like over-the-top satire. It was, it was so on the nose. It was like a mm-hmm. little bit too... Yeah. Just putting it, laying it on real thick. I mean, yeah. But I feel like some people still miss the miss the message. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the point of satire is it's supposed to like, it lampoons society. Mm-hmm. It, it holds up a mirror to like make you look at yourself and think like, ugh, yeah. I like that. To me, good good satire is a scalpel, bad satire is a bludgeon. Yeah. I, and I don't know where Don't Look Up kind of landed. It, a lot of that to me was a bludgeon. Yeah. That's how I thought of it. I didn't love that as much as some people. To me, that was a, a aluminum bat to the head. It was, yeah, yeah. Some people needed that bat, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll we, say that much. Yes, we definitely live in a society where people could use a good bludgeon. Live in a society. <laughs> um, but the best Doctor Strangelove. We talked about doing a Peter Sellers series. Doctor Strangelove mm-hmm. is a scalpel. That is a surgeon yeah. at work with Stanley Kubrick. You know, he is. Those are precise cuts in that movie, but. And this is, I mean, there, the satirical aspects of this movie are interesting to watch. You know, the, the social cliques, the, you know, the competition for crushes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a, at the end of the day, there's still high school kids. You know, it's like, man, there's a little bit of John Waters here. There's a little bit of Heathers. There's a little bit of like that sort of dark comedy of high school, which yeah. I, I'm here for. But yeah, for me, I would come away from this as a six. I know that probably puts me a, a different than what other people would give it. I know people love it. But. Sure. I mean, I, I agree. It's not... For everybody. Yeah. And ordinarily, again, I don't, I, violence doesn't bother me. I'm not necessarily a squeamish person, but, you know, but it was like watching, I mean, I never thought the kindergarten cop would get affect me in that way. It's like, it's like, this is ugly now to watch, you know, it's like to see the cartoonishness of that and how closer we come to that every day. Yeah. You know, it's like watching a dystopian future and realize we're, we're edging in that direction. Oh, no, we're there. Yeah. We're there right now. Yeah. It's crazy to me. But yeah, I would say this is a six. Again, see it. It's to me, it's a talk about it. You know, it's like. So what? What was it about? Was it the overall? Because there was like some cartoonishness of it, of like some of the violence. There is some like kind of poorly done action to it. Was it that, or was it the overall like story and theme? I think just the yeah the aesthetic of it. I mean, even in the beginning of it, when they they round up the kids, and it's like you know they one of the kids gets blown up, you know, from the collar, and yeah. You know, the kids get machine gunned and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just like, 
I don't know. It was just weird to see that violence and to see it encouraged from, you know, to see that kind of mass murder. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's interesting. There's there's some other movies, not necessarily out of Japan, but out of Korea that came out around this time, around this sort of like era, um, sort of had some of the same themes. And I think culturally... Um, there's a little bit of like a different cultural wave that was happening over there at the same time that like yeah. some of the movies that were made around that time had like weird violence. Yeah. Just like over the top violence. Yeah. To the point that it was like, this is too much. Yeah. And this, I I would consider beyond like the, the low end, but have you seen old boy? I have the original. Uh-huh. Okay. It's been a while and we should do that one too. We should, we should definitely do that one. And maybe I think, you know, thinking about it now, it's like watching like the kindergarten cop thing. It's like seeing, because it's like Kill Bill is as violent to me as this movie was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Looney Tunes violent, but in a way, it's almost like the Kevin Smith Death Star argument of like the people on the Death Star they they chose to be there, even the people that are working on it or whatever, and they got blown up. Yeah, if you're a contractor, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. especially working for the Empire, kind of a thing. Right. The people that are you know in the in the gangs and stuff that the bride mows down to kill Bill, you know they nobody made them join that gang. That you, you can tell by their actions, they love being in the gang. You know, they're they're loyal, enthusiastic henchmen. They get mowed down. They get mowed down. One of them literally gets spanked. <laughs> yeah. Gets spanked with a samurai sword. Um, but to me, like watching Kindergarten Cop, it's like that, that real element of like, you know, kids who think they're in a safe place who are instantly taken out of that. Yeah. To me, it's like that in Battle Royale where it's like, again, it's a, maybe it's the against their will kind of thing where they have no choice yeah. that makes it ugly. Because it's like, that's the thing about these shootings and stuff. It's like, no, they have no, it's a random and it's the theft of innocence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what it's too real to watch it. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. There's definitely something within that that was uncomfortable. So I think it affected my, my rating of it, you know, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but yeah, uh, Vouvray, Sauvignon, Loire Valley. Um, good stuff. Uh, Is it pronounced Loire? Loire. Loire. Loire Valley. Loire Valley. One of the big wine regions in the world. And you said it was west central? Yeah, That's west central France. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a little bit to the north and east of Bordeaux, which is where this one. Um, but yeah, look for it. Any good wine store should have some good Vouvray's for you and should be able to tell you a little more about them. Um, but yeah, uh, next up we have um, Dread. Dread. We're doing Dread. So and RoboCop and RoboCop. That'll be a fun twofer. Two two cops that really get it done. Yeah, two great tastes that taste great together. That's right. So uh, Sean Jordan, uh, that's me. I'm T Woff, and great movies only darker. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our website is cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwaffordmovies.com.